Welcome. This is Deep Background, a podcast from the Kansas City Stars newsroom. I'm Scott Cannon, a reporter, and I'm joined today by Sarah Gish. How you doing, Sarah? I'm good, thanks. We've got Sarah because she is the genius in town about everything <laughs> you eat and everything you drink that has a particular Kansas City flavor to it. Yeah. Uh, I ran a, a quick library search a year of Gish and beer in the Stars oh, Library, geez. and it came up with 288 <laughs> hits. Oh my gosh! A lot of that was like beer battered, this or that, but the food it, and the drink. Yeah, yeah I yeah. can imagine. So you know your way around beer. I and I asked you talk with us today because there is a, quite a beer scene in Kansas City. Yeah, it's really grown a lot, especially in like the last 10 years. So it's been really fun kind of covering it and seeing because there's always new stuff going on every year. And it's just kind of exploded, especially these past few years, all the breweries that have popped up right around where we work at the Star um, has just been really fun to watch. Right. And it's, in some ways, it's been driven by the big granddaddy and Boulevard, right? Sure, yeah. Boulevard is definitely the pioneer of the craft beer community in the Kansas City area. They started back in 1989. And for a long time, that was like the only craft beer option that people had here in Kansas City. So it was either, you know, you had a Miller or a Coors, or you had a Boulevard. and But now beer drinkers have so many more options because there have been a bunch of home brewers that have started their own microbreweries across Kansas City, and Boulevard has really kind of helped um, excite people about craft beer and kind of create a market here for kind of different tasting beer. Right. You know, when I travel around the country, I'll go a place and I order a beer and I'll say, what's local? And there usually is something now, and there's usually a yeah. variety. Do you know, have any sense that we've got a richer beer scene for our population than other places? Um, I would say, like, if you compare Kansas City to other cities, it depends on where you're comparing it to. If you're comparing it to the coasts, I would say we're not where they are. You know, you have California, Oregon, Washington. They have, like, a huge beer scene over there. If you go to Portland, there's – I think they have the – um, highest number of breweries per capita out in Portland, Oregon. And same on the East Coast, like New York City, um, all in New England. They have a ton of craft breweries to choose from. We have a good concentration here in Kansas City, and it's definitely growing. Um, but it's nowhere near, I would say, other Midwestern cities like Chicago or even St. Louis are a little bit further along in their craft beer boom. But I feel like Kansas City is uh, definitely growing a lot and kind of heading in that direction. Right, you know, I if I suspect if I went out drinking three times a week and had three beers each shot and tried to get a, I, I still wouldn't get through all Kansas City had in a year. I, I'm exaggerating, I suspect, but there's yeah, I don't lot. know the I don't know the math on that, but you know, if you take each microbrewery is constantly producing new beers. So even if you go to say Cinder Block Brewery in North Kansas City and you order a cider this week, you could go again in a couple of months and order you know, some kind of rich barrel aged beer. I mean, you could just, you could definitely have a different beer three times a week for a year. I, I would agree with that, but you might have to hit the same breweries over and over and just try some, some different, right. some different beers. So I, I, in anticipation of this, I was jotting down some of the names of local breweries and it's a you got Kansas city beer company, B I E R Yep. cinder block, big rip, which is just around the corner from cinder block mm -hmm. calibration, which I've not tried yet. Double shift. Brewery Imperial, is that how I should yep, say it? Yep, I think so. Torn Label, Border Brewing Company, McCoy's, old school, right? Sure. Um, Ruins, which is not really a brew pub, but we get back to that. The Stockyard Brewing Company and the old um, 
not Hereford House. It's the old Golden, Golden Ox. Ox yeah. Um, Crane Brewing out in U- in uh, Raytown. Mother's down in Springfield. Of course, you've got Tallgrass and Free yep. State are both Lawrence, right? Tallgrass is Manhattan and Free okay. State is Lawrence. And I'm sure I've left some out. I mean, there's just... Yeah, there's... Well, and it's even hard for me to keep up with all the, the new ones. Um, one that I found out about recently, I think it's called um, Smoke Brewing, and it's in Lee's Summit, and it's actually a barbecue gastro pub and a brewery in one. And then it's... Sort of heaven on earth, sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> for Kansas City, I mean, craft beer and barbecue is definitely a pairing that a lot of people like to make. So I think that's, that's definitely a good business strategy. And, you know, there's a ton of breweries in the crossroads in North Kansas City and you know Casey Beer Co is in down in Waldo but if you go out to the suburbs there's kind of beginning to be more too like out in Spring Hill even you know further out than Olathe you've got a Red Crow Brewing so for even people kind of on the fringes of Kansas City there's beginning to be more craft beer options. Yeah can we identify a Kansas City style? Oh that's a good question um I don't know if there's one style that, you know, it, what's interesting about all the microbreweries in Kansas City is they all kind of have a different specialty. So, you know, even Boulevard, I don't know, has a signature style. I mean, Boulevard Wheat is definitely one of their best sellers. It's it's like an entry-level craft beer but for it's people. It's also the most ordinary thing they create. It is. It's, it's definitely like, you know, it was one of the first craft beers I ever had, you know, when I was making my shift in my early 20s from, you know, like the Miller High Life's in my parents' fridge to craft beers. It's, it's definitely one of the first ones I had. But, um, you know, Boulevard, they do a lot of, they've experimented with IPAs, they've experimented with sours, um, they do a great Pilsner, they do lagers. I mean, they're kind of all across the board. They don't have one style that they're particularly known for. And then you have other new microbreweries like Crane Brewing out in Raytown you mentioned. They, they're sours. They are, right? yeah, sours, um, farmhouse ales, like brewed with wild yeast. That's kind of their thing. Um, so each brewery tends to have its own niche, which is great for craft beer fans because they can kind of get a little bit of everything here. Um, and so there's not, you know, I think a lot of craft beer people that I know, you know, they gravitate towards the IPAs. They like, um, often they like the stronger stouts, the imperial stouts, um, that kind of thing. But I think, you know, in Kansas City here, we have hot summers. So people want the light loggers and pilsners. I think it really depends on the season and the occasion and the brewery. So I, I can't really identify one style that's really unique to Kansas City. All right. You know, one of the interesting trends to me is the, um, and there may be a term for this sort of place, but the brew pub, it's open three or four nights a week uh-huh. it, it for a limited number of hours. All they sell is, you know, maybe five or six beers, if that, that they make there. Yeah. And even if you want a glass of water, you go over to the, the cooler and get your own water. Yeah. And it's, it seems to me a really genius idea because your cost comes way down somebody's okay with just drinking beer it's a nice place to go and and taste new beers yeah I think it's a good idea for a lot of these up-and-coming breweries to have these tap rooms in-house where people can come and have kind of a brand experience of that brewery Um, and they don't necessarily have to have a kitchen or serve food they could have a food truck come by a lot of breweries um, I know do that I think Torn Label 
um, cinder block, cinder block, out. even out in the, the Spring Hill Brewery, Red Crow. I think they have food trucks out there sometimes. So they can kind of partner up with other businesses and they can just focus on the beer and the experience of drinking and serving the beer. And, you know, I think people are, are open to that, you know, not, not necessarily having like the traditional brew pub experience, Seems pretty '90s to me. It so was sports, huge in the '90s. Bar with homemade, with locally made beer. Yeah, you know, like that. I mean, a business like Free State Brewing Company in Lawrence is awesome. They're kind of your traditional brew pub. They've been around since 1989, same as Boulevard. They actually opened a few months before Boulevard, and they were the first uh, Kansas brewery since Prohibition. And they have a great brew pub concept going. You know, it really hasn't changed since the '90s. But I love it. It's very consistent. The food is great. The atmosphere right. is great. It's it's nice to have kind of a family-friendly atmosphere where you can go and drink beer rather than always going to a bar. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, Kansas City beer drinkers have a lot of great access to is these spaces that are for drinking beer that aren't necessarily like your dive bar. Like um, Kansas City Beer Co., Kansas City Beer Company in Waldo, you mentioned, they do traditional German style beers, like with ingredients from Germany, they have a great little beer garden in Waldo on the trolley trail. And so a lot of families will go there, you know, in the Saturday afternoon, drink a beer with their kids. They have a little playhouse out there. They're right on the trail. So it's, you know, it can be more of a community beer, you know, European beer garden style culture instead of just drinking in a dark bar at 3 a.m. kind right. of thing. Yeah. But these little tasting room type places, yeah. a couple hours, couple nights a week. You know, I um, do some home brewing through kits. I'm not very sophisticated. But when I was first reading up on it, one of the books was saying, talking about the business of brew pubs, and it said if you can get the restaurant side to work at all, that you'll be swimming in money because it's essentially like selling water at $5 a glass. It's, oh, it's yeah. Not quite Th- that, that but simple, the but the point is, if you can get the restaurant side going, and you know, not everyone right, and can these other do that. Have, ju- have just said, well, we'll cut out the restaurant yeah. side. We don't have to worry. We don't have to hire nearly as many people. We don't have to worry about food supplies, and you know, health inspections, that sort of thing. Yeah, we just pour beer that we make, and customers get it. You know, maybe maybe back in the '90s, people would have gone to these places and been like, "Hey, where's the food?" You know, but I think there's enough of a culture around craft beer where people are willing to go somewhere where it's just all about the beer and just kind of have that experience rather than needing it to be a restaurant too. Right. And so like you, I started out on the, you know, as a teenager, it was malt liquor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, nice. and then I graduated to PBR and Doritos. And then yep. later, and, and then I discovered Grolsch and, and, you know, more and more flavor came into the beer and came to appreciate it. I worry, you know, but this craft beer trend feels like it's not a trend anymore, right? My only worry is that we're at peak beer, that, yeah. that the, the enough of the market that goes for the craft beer now is going to go to craft gin or something else, and that the sort of craft beer industry will fade away. Have you seen any signs that? I think the craft industry seems pretty strong. Um, you know, even here in Kansas City, you look at the number of not only breweries, but distilleries and even wineries popping up. I think there's a huge demand for that right now. And I, I don't see that fading away very soon because I think that among people who go for that kind of thing, they're not going to suddenly be like, oh, I'm fine with grocery store beer, you know, after they kind of have been introduced to craft beer and appreciate it. 
Um, I don't see them going back. That being said, it's hard to... I have a lot of people that I know in my family or among my friends that, you know, they're Coors Light drinkers. And they they might have a Boulevard wheat with a lemon or something light, but really they're just okay with... You know, my parents, for example, they they just kind of want what's on sale, whether it's Bush Light, Coors Light, Miller High Life. That's what they want, you know, and they don't want and we craft forget beer. That's what most people drink or that's what sells the most. Right. And that's I mean, that's the you know, at a certain point, I think you're just going to have people or two who are just not interested in the craft um, in the craft beers. And that's OK. It is it is more of a niche thing, but I think it's definitely growing and becoming more mainstream and, you know, you even see some of the major beer companies kind of trying to appeal to craft beer drinkers or knock the craft beer industry. So you can tell that they're kind of threatened a little bit by the bite that okay, craft beer. there was beer. a Super Bowl ad. Was it this year or the year before yeah, that what, went after craft beer? I can't remember what exactly what that was, but it was kind of taking a dig at craft beer. And the snobbery of it. And in the snobbery of it. And, you know, there's definitely people who there's definitely a backlash because, you know, as as much as there's people who are really into the craft side of it, there's people who say that's silly, you know, it's just beer. Um, so, and the more popular the craft side gets, you know, the bigger some of that backlash might be among people who just don't really, aren't interested in the craft right. side. So uh, give me a little drinking advice here. I, I, I always struggle when I go out to someplace like the Flying Saucer or mm-hmm. these other places that have so many selections and I want to try something new, but it, at a, a pint at a time, yeah. And I'm, I'm good for three beers on a night out. I don't want to waste one of those on something that's going to taste nasty or nasty to my preferences. Yeah. What's the, should I always start out with a flight and work from there? Flight flights beer, are for fun. Those who don't know is a small selection where they probably about three ounces per variety usually. Right? Yeah, I, I like I like doing a flight every once in a while. Um, Boulevard Beer Hall. I don't know if you've been there, but it's fun to go there and get a flight um, because they usually have some more experimental beers that you can't find elsewhere. So if you really want to sample three or four, five small glasses of beer, that's a good thing to do so that you know next time what you want the full glass of. My problem sometimes when I order a flight is I end up loving one or two of them, (laughs) and then the the other three I'm kind of like, okay, this is okay, or Worse yet, I have one that I'm just kind of forcing myself to finish because it's not really my thing. So um, I usually just try to go with a style that I tend to have liked before, um, maybe from a brewery that I haven't tried before, or if there's a new Boulevard or um, you know a new Casey Beer Co. beer that I haven't tried, then I'll, I'll try it. Um, but a lot of times I'm kind of a creature of habit and I stick to the ones that I know that I like. Right. And so is it a good idea to say, tell the bartender, I like X. Can you recommend something similar? Yeah. Because I might not even know what the style of beer is that I how to describe it. I think one of the best things to do and how I've found a lot of my favorite beers is when you go to a place where the bartenders are knowledgeable and just talk to them about what other beers you like. And they might be able to make a recommendation for you based on your taste. So, for example... Um, beer station in Waldo is, I think that has some of the most knowledgeable bartenders in Kansas city in terms of beer. I think they even call them beer tenders there. So you can go there and say, Hey, you know, I really like light loggers. I don't like heavy stouts. You know, what do you have on tap right now that 
that I might like to try. And they'll actually pour you a little bit in like a tasting glass. Right. And if you like it, then you buy the whole pint. And it's it's kind of like, you know, when you go to an ice cream shop, can I try the brown bread, brown bread ice cream or whatever it is? And you, you like it or you don't, and then you order the whole cup. Right. So um, I really like doing that. And has an interesting um, notion. You, they give you a little sort of credit card kind of thing. Yeah. You put it in the slot under the tap, and you pour as much as you want. So you can sort of go along and taste your own. Yeah, I think, I could be wrong, but I think 99 Hops House, I think it's at one of the casinos up north, does that too. But yeah, that's kind of a novel concept because you kind of serve yourself, you can just taste a little bit, and if you really like it, then you can get the whole thing. Because there's nothing worse than when you kind of branch out from something you know, and then you end up with a glass of beer that's just really not your thing, and you're kind of forced to just choke it down and think it's happened to all of us. Right, right. Yeah. And we, there's something about us that one should never leave a beer. No, un- I mean, you don't want to waste money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and what, are, what are some of your favorites? So IPA, you like IPAs? I like IPAs. Um, I, I used to kind of, I would say five years ago, I really liked um, IPAs. So what IPAs, local IPAs, would you put at the top of your list? I like um, I like Boulevard's single wide IPA, but I can't remember if that's one of the ones they discontinued. Um, I like pretty much all of their IPAs except the super strong ones. Um, I think they do like a heavy lifting IPA that might be a little bit too bitter for me sometimes. I, I tend to like a nice balanced, easy drinking beer. Um, and then it depends on the season. Like um, in the fall, one of my favorite beers is Bob's Forty Seven, which is a Boulevard Oktoberfest beer. I, I think it's the best beer I could. I, oh. I, I, I have to stock up on them. I just wish they would put it in cans. So it, that would it be nice. On like a crisp fall day, it's like the leaves are just starting to turn. That is just my one of my favorite things is the Bob's 47. Um, another one that I tend... Just interrupt real quickly. Interesting, I did a tour before they had the new visitor center uh-huh. at Boulevard years ago, and I heard one story about the name and it was something like it was the 47th try on a recipe. And I think more recently their mythology is that it's the year that Bob, one of their brewers, graduated from school somewhere. I think it was – the story that I remember hearing was that Bob graduated from school in 47. My my point is that their mythology is a little fuzzy. The beer is great, the mythology not so can I can imagine it. It seems like there's a story behind every one of the beers and – you know, there could be multiple, but, um, another one I really like is that I can enjoy year round is the, the Dunkel from Casey Beer Co. And that's kind of one of my more recent favorites. Um, it's, it's a darker, I don't know if it's darker ale, but it's, it's like crisp, but dark. Um, I don't really like the beers that have kind of a sweet lingering finish. I really like the kind of crisp dry finish that Bob's 47 has. Cause you get kind of that multi sweet, ready flavor up front, but then it finishes nice and crisp and clean. And I really like beers that are balanced, but then are just have that nice, crisp, you know, refreshing feel right at the end. And so those tend to be my favorites. And there's, there's, folks, is the talent of a food and beverage (laughs) writer at work, someone that can make you taste something with her words. Um, When I'm drinking beer, I should, if I'm testing different beers or tasting different beers, I should go in order, right? Basically light from light to dark? Yeah, you want to do light to dark because your palate 
can get kind of thrown off if you have something really heavy first, and then you don't taste the nuances of the lighter beer if you follow right. the, you know, darker beer with the lighter beer. So start light and go dark, finish dark. And volume, I want to go with the, they, they call them sessionability of a beer, something yeah. that I can drink a lot of. I know I like porters and stouts, mm-hmm. but I, you, you, you drink too many of them, and your mouth feels like the bottom of a coffee yeah, and you something. don't feel too good the next day. Sometimes I don't know if there's any scientific backing to this, but sometimes the darker beers that I drink, uh, you know, just kind of sticks with you a little bit more the next day, and the lighter beers not so much. But um, yeah, it just that kind of depends on the time of year too. I mean, I really like stouts and those kind of beers in the winter time, and then in the summertime, I I like pilsners, lagers, wheats, um, lighter beers. Um, I really like Guinness, you know, year round. It's, it's actually as dark as it is. Um, it's got a really nice light, light crisp finish and it's really refreshing I find. So that, that's another one of my favorites. It's not, it's not a craft. It's more of an import. I think of it like drinking a really good cookie. uh, Yeah. 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 I could see that. Um, and I should always drink out of a glass of some kind, right? Well, I don't have anything against drinking out of a bottle or a can. I like drinking out of bottles and cans. Uh, maybe, you know, I I think that some serious craft beer geeks get really into the glasses. Like for example, if you go to beer station, um, different glass for different. Oh yeah, totally. You have the tulip shaped glass for the tank seven. Um, you have the big, you know, German style mugs for the dunkles and those types of beers. And then you might have like, if you have a Pilsner, one of those really tall kind of flute shaped, almost like a big champagne, glass. So, and I, I know that there's something to that. I mean, I think it concentrates the aromas. It helps, you know, with the carbonation, how the carbonation travels upwards and just how it feels in your hand kind of affects your, how you drink the beer, I think. Um, so I think that that can definitely impact flavor and aroma, but for me, I'm okay with drinking out of a can or a bottle too. I think it's a personal preference. Yeah, I don't like drinking out of a can, but I like cans as a way to carry my beer around. And uh, yeah. the geeks will tell us that's actually the best way to store your beer yep. over time. Um, is anybody besides Boulevard using cans locally? Yeah, it's becoming more um, more common. So Tallgrass out of Manhattan that's right, has of a pretty good canning operation. Um, Oatmeal stout is good from there, right? Yeah, they do. Is that the Buffalo Sweat? Buffalo Sweat. That's what <laughs> I always get thrown off that. by the name a little bit. Buffalo Sweat is not a, too an appetizing name for me, but I have had it, and yeah, I love it moose tastes drool, good. Which is from I struggle with the moose drool. Missoula, I, I think. <laughs> um, it's a little rich for me, and the the name just gets me. But um, yeah, I, I know Torn Label. They have a brewery in the East Crossroads. I believe they also can, and a lot more local smaller breweries are getting into canning. It's it's really environmentally friendly. The, you know, the bottle, the packaging doesn't weigh as much as glass. Cans are very easily recyclable. They, like you said, they don't allow air or um, light, light, light yeah. to filter into the beer, which, you know, light is one of the enemies of fresh beer. So you can keep beer fresher for longer. And you mentioned the portability. You know, in the summertime, if you want to go to the lake, just throw some cans in your cooler. It's a lot easier than worrying if you're going to break glass on the boat or whatever. Right. I go to a lot of music festivals, and yep. they don't want you bringing glass in, so it's nice to have a decent beer in a can. Yeah. Um, what Any seasonals coming up we should be looking for? Um, today, 
or yesterday, um, on Tuesday, Boulevard released a new sour beer. They've been kind of experimenting with a lot of sour beers lately, and that's kind of something you either love or you hate. But um, they have a new dark sour ale called Changeling, and um, that's coming out in the Smokestack series. So for sour beer fans, that could be a good one. Also means a higher price, a Smokestack. Higher price, yeah. I think those are higher alcohol. Higher alcohol content. And yet you really need to – I found I don't like higher alcohol in my beer. I'm not really a higher alcohol person either because I to overwhelm the other flavors. I like the you know the sessionable beers. That's another big trend in craft beer is. And they put a lot of uh, talk to me about their Kolsch because that's something they put some effort into. Yeah, right? that is a that's their newest year round beer. So um, they don't add year round beers all too often because that's a big commitment. So you know their core year round beers are like your pale ale, unfiltered wheat. That and what is it, describe the Kolsch as a style. I'm not sure. The Kolsch, I believe it's a style from, it's a traditional style from Germany, I think, like Kolsch Germany. But not very hoppy, right? It's not very hoppy. It's very sessionable. It's even, it's definitely like light and crisp for a summertime beer. And it's even maybe a little bit lighter and fruitier than even like a, definitely your pale ale or your pills. Um even your wheat, it's really, really light. It's when we sampled it around the newsroom about a month ago, whenever it came out, people were saying, I could imagine drinking this after I mow the lawn in the summertime, you know, or the can even has a picture of a guy in a hammock. You know, it's definitely just kind of that hanging out on your porch. The brewmaster, Stephen Paul, said, I could see hanging out with your friends on the porch, and you're going to have, like, three or four of these. You're not going to just have one and stop. This is a beer that you could drink a lot okay, of. Okay, but this would have more um, flavor, for lack of a better word, than sort of my traditional yard beer, a, a Pabst or a Bud. Or yeah, it's it's not going to be kind of your, your old style or your Miller High Life where it's almost a step above sparkling water in a way. It's going to be – you're going to get that flavor, but you're going to – be able to drink several of them. But it might be sort of a gateway drug for that Bud Light beer, right? Definitely. Yeah. When we sampled it around, one thing that's always interesting when we do beer sampling is to take it to someone who doesn't typically drink beer or someone who is your typical Bud Light drinker and see if they like it. And the American Kolsch was one that was pretty much universally liked. Even people who... um, Leah Becerra, one of our web editors, I think she told me she typically does, you know, stouts and porters. She liked it, too. So it's kind of one of those universally liked beers, I think. All right. Well, on that, we'll toast each other and um, come to talk another day. Thanks for tuning in today on Deep Background.